You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes. It's Thursday afternoon and I'm delighted to be joined this afternoon by John Paul Mason and Brian Degman. Brian reminded me, JP, that uh, the last time you guys were on, you had a countdown going on to the, the Michelin game. Remember, the qualifier, <laughs> 30 days to go and we were kind of panicking about not having a manager, never mind players in, in the door. Are we at that stage when it comes to transfers or are you quite cool at the moment regarding the lack of activity? No countdown, no. I, I mean, I think on the 11th of January, not have signings in. I, I'm not losing sleep over it just yet. I, I don't think that's something that we should be fixated on. I, I know that everybody, in much the same way, is like, remember everyone was like hanging on for this January review? Remember the January yeah. review? Everyone's been hanging on for the January transfer window and expecting some sort of miraculous event to happen. I don't know if that is going to be the case. I think probably by the end of the window, if we can get two players in that are the keyword quality, then I think two two will probably be what I would expect. I don't think it's going to be three four, um, and the the more I'd say the more difficult job is addressing the the bloated squad as we were talking about before we came on because that that list that you've been posting over the last week or so of uh, transfers and people that aren't kicking a ball. I mean, they're literally not kicking a ball <laughs> for Celtic. So those people have to have to go first. And that, that that's potentially the, the harder part. You're right. Actually, that, that list that you're talking about there, um, it was my intention just to go through individually to try and address the fact that there's so many non-contributing players, JP. That's the thing that bugs me uh, as a Celtic fan because... No, back in the day, that there was maybe an opportunity uh, for them to maintain a level of sharpness uh, to impress the gaffer in a game um, situation with a reserve team. But we just don't have it. We're in a, a world now where Celtic can't be carrying 32 first-team players. We've obviously seen Nat Phillips going back to Liverpool. We've seen Idiguchi uh, going back to Japan, Brian. And the word is that Rocco Vata, although on the fringes of the first-team squad anyway, he will also be leaving and he'll be going to Italy. But the guys I've been listening in terms of a frustration around their lack of game time and the wages that are going out the door every single week are uh, Segrist, Lagerbjelk, McCarthy, Kobayashi, Burnaby. And then there's a couple of question marks, and the question marks are over Mikey Johnson and David Turnbull. I mean, that debate has been going on. I, I said yesterday, Mikey Johnson was an 18-year-old just breaking into the Celtic squad when Axon started. So we have seen his entire progress or otherwise throughout his Celtic career. Um, I don't see us getting rid of all that list. I think that's unrealistic in one window. 
Brian, but we really need to get rid of the ones that are just kicking their heels, don't we? Yeah, I think so. And you know, you mentioned seven players there. I also think you need to mention McCarthy, Quan, Tilio. You know, like this there's still even more. And I think that, you know, sort of agreeing with JP, I'm not too concerned at this stage for a number of reasons. One is the fact that to shift those players on those amount of wages and get some form of return on it is very, very difficult. Because anyone watching the news or being aware of Celtic's situation, if I'm another club wanting to buy one of these players, I'm thinking Celtic are desperate to sell them or try and get them on the cheap. Now, we won't do anything on the cheap. Like, you know, we're not going to sell players for, for, for nothing just to get them out the door. So there's going to be a lot of conversations going on. And if you're these players, like, if you're Quan, are you going to be desperate to go back to the Korean second division? Are you going to sit at a baby to say that you're at Celtic with those training facilities on a I would imagine a considerable amount more money than you were on and it's going to be eaten up so while I know the frustration is and it's, and it's a self-imposed problem right because we signed all these guys and we gave them all these contracts and we gave them the, these wages so it's on us um, we've got to be patient because ultimately as well although we want rid of all of these players you know we asked them to come we said you know uproot your life uproot your family come to Glasgow we'll give you this amount of money for this amount of years, just because we said, oh, we don't want it anymore. It's not really fair because they've got to go, well, why should I move? Maybe I'm quite happy here. Maybe I've settled here. So there's a, there's a human element to it as well. And I think that's always hard. When you, cause you just see them as a like football manager where you can just transfer out nine year squad and sign a couple of guys. It's just not quite as simple as that. Um, and I think that if I'm Celtic, even though, yeah, clearly we need quality in, You've got to get that wage bill down and you've got to get some return for some of these players because you, you, it's completely unsustainable longer term. So I do have a bit of sympathy, which I don't usually have for the board in this situation or the transfer policy, but I think I think it's fair in this stage. If you're talking seven or ten players, JP, you're not doing it in a transfer window. It's about having a plan over maybe the next three or four transfer windows to get it, the squad to a manageable level because as well as shipping out, you're bringing players in. I mean, if we... If we push out four or five in this window and bring in three, it's a tiny, tiny margin that you're changing, really, over one window. So I think there is a patience required. I'm not getting too worried yet. And I'm going to bring in this from Rob. I think this is fairly optimistic. But listen, why not? Hoping the comparative quiet is a plus sign. No leaks uh, compromising potential signings, close or otherwise. Also, the club may have a few done and are waiting for the right moment. Well, that would be absolutely superb if that was the case. Um, the one bit of uh, information that's coming out, of course, is in relation to two different players, really, but um, the story is around the right-wing position, and it's uh, Nicholas Kuhn. We spoke about him last Tuesday, I think it was an axiom. The, the German winger, who can also play through the middle, currently at Rapid Vienna, has previously spent time at Bayern Munich and Ajax, and uh, our very own Leela Bada. And there was a, a story written last night, JP, from Stephen McGowan, which was basically a blow-by-blow, blow, really. It was a breakdown uh, of the, the Abada situation. Um, and it finished off with him leaving the park at St Mirren Park. You were at the game, uh, whilst the, the rest of the team went up to see the fans. And, he, and he's kind of made a, a, a sharp exit up the tunnel, uh, wearing, of course, the black armband and all all of this was focused on the Stephen McGowan. Um, I was hoping January wouldn't see us losing what you would consider a first-team starter, but it does look as though there might be an angle to this story that McGowan uh, ran last night on the departure of a bad. It would be a shame to lose him, wouldn't it? It would, especially under the circumstances. Um, I read the article and I read a lot of the replies and I, I didn't actually realise that he'd, he'd gone up the tunnel at um, St Mirren Park uh, at the end of the game, I didn't, I didn't clock that had happened, and somebody else had replied saying uh, it was written all over his face after the after the derby um, that maybe that was his last, you know, game against them. I don't know. There's obviously speculation by whoever it was that replied to that to that thread, but I it is a difficult situation, and I I, I sympathise with the player um, because. If he's getting put under pressure from his, his his people in his country, his national team manager, teammates, whatever, um, I think um, I think it's, it's it's been difficult because of 
of the banner on October the 7th. If, if you remove that from the equation, I don't really know what argument there is for uh, having a go at, at the Celtic support for supporting a, a, a country that's under, you know, missile bombardment, bombardment on a daily basis and lives being taken <laughs> just at, at will. Um, so that's the that's that's the the, the sort of key point because you, if you read some of the some of the details, it, it was kind of like painting us all with this. Oh, we support Hamas and everything else, and it's like, well, that, that's not actually what's going on here. Um, so yeah, I do sympathise with them, and and if it if it has to push him into a football and move and uprooting him from his home here, which I'm sure he enjoys. Being in Glasgow, otherwise he wouldn't have signed a new contract only weeks before uh, the the attack. So it, it just it would be it would be a shame because you do feel like there's a lot more to come from him. Yeah, as a player, he's everyone talks about Yang and how oh Yang's raw and he's got all this good stuff to come. I don't see it in Yang at all. <laughs> I'm, I'm completely off the off the bus with Yang. I just. I, May, may well do a job for somebody else in the future, but I don't see him being a... I've had this conversation with my pal and he's adamant that Yang's going to become a Celtic first-team player and I just don't see that. So, But with Abada, I do. I, I do, I, Especially under Brendan Rodgers' management, I think he could get more out of him in the same way that he's got more out of players in his first tenure. Armstrong, Scott Brown, Callum McGregor... Kieran Tierney, you name it. Uh, there's a mm. lot of players that you can point to that he's developed, and Abada uh, is another one. He's not really had an opportunity to to do that either, with him not being available due to injury. So for this to happen now, it does seem unfortunate. Um, but if it comes to it, at least we'll look to be. I mean, I saw a pretty disparaging reply saying. Oh yeah, this is classic Peter Lawwell wanting to make money on a player and then we'll buy in cheap from Rapid Vienna and it's just like right one this Peter Law thing to me every time I see it mentioned is so infuriating because him coming back has allowed this narrative to become fact almost amongst so many people in the in our support whereas it's probably not true. <laughs> I mean I can't say that for certain. I don't know anything but like to to hear it being said so often is so annoying, um, but to then put down the idea that we're going to sign this highly rated winger from Rapid Vienna, who is their star player, I, I believe. I don't know too much about him, but um, I wouldn't just be down on that as as an idea if if Abada is to go. Do you know? Well, this is the the difficulty, uh, and I, I keep talking about this, JP, because on the one hand, they're, they're definitely the reason I've I've ran with this tagline is because I can see it in the comments every day. Um, we go out for 60 minutes live every single weekday and we cover the games. And in a, a 60-minute bulletin, we can get up to like a 1,000-plus comments. And you can see largely where the argument is kind of swaying towards, right? And a lot of it is restlessness. A lot of it is, as you said there, uh, JP, same old story with regards to who's in charge and who's running things behind the scenes. But I think that you've, there's got to be a balance, right? And I'm not backing up the board or any of this kind of stuff, but there's got to be a balance because this is sometimes what I feel we do wrong. We, we just dive in and bring in loads of bodies, right? And it's not the first time. The summer there was not the first time we've done that. And I, I voiced my concerns about too many players coming in in one go when you've already got a successful team. And it was all about tweaking that and maybe replacing the guys that have gone out with the same level of quality. And if you bring in one or two players for the future that you think you can develop, brilliant. And I, I had my concerns, I've got to say, Brian, uh, you know, buying nine players in because every single time another player was announced in the summer, I'm thinking, where's this, you know, where's the quality? Where's the replacement, basically, for Jota? Where's the replacement for Starfield? And you're looking at Novroski and you think, well, maybe he is, maybe he's not. Uh, but it was almost like shooting fish in a barrel. We'll bring in three centre-halves. We'll lose one, we'll bring in three. Uh, we'll lose more, we'll bring in three central defenders. Uh, sorry, defensive midfielders and we'll lose one winger and bring in three. That was the way we actually approached it. Um, so on the one hand, I think we need to strike a balance. There needs to be a middle ground. The club aren't going to say anything. Of course they're not. They're not going to say, you know, a signing is imminent because anything can happen at this stage. But in terms of kind of um, when you're looking at the enthusiasm and tempering the enthusiasm, Brian, 
I, I'm I'm not expecting us to bring in four, which was the, the figure quoted by Brendan in the summer, because I think, although they're maybe not the players he wanted in the summer, he is utilising some of them now. Um, he said one or two, that was his last quote. If we can bring in two or three into the squad and the people who are going to be ready to actually step into the first team, particularly with the Asian Cup coming up, we're going to have a few guys away, then I think that's enough. If you bring in more than that, you're never going to get out the bit of having a bloated squad. And then I talked before about bringing in that number of players and they might not have the winning mentality um, that you need to have at a club like Celtic. I think you can run with one or two in a squad because very quickly they'll get indoctrinated into the, the state of mind of all the others. And I think McGregor and all these guys are really important for that. But we can't be bringing in loads of players and they need to be the right players. Um the, the one mentioned uh, in terms of bringing him in from Rapid Vienna, the fact that he's three million quid, I mean, I'm not looking at that and judging the player simply and, and, and solely on the transfer fee, Brian. You know, I mean, Leo Abada's only 22. JP was talking about Yang there. He's not much older than Yang. And look what he's he's achieved. I think, I, I, I do agree, I think he's played within himself a lot of that period. I think there's so much more for him to achieve but because of the circumstances that we find ourselves in with the player, we might not see the best of him, and he might leave. Uh, there was also a suggestion, Brian, it might be a loan deal. I can't see how that situation is going to change. They're not going to change the mentality or the politics of the group of Celtic fans within the fan base um, who support Palestine, and why should you? So that situation is not going to change. To move a player out temporarily, he's coming back to the same club. He's coming back to a fan base with the same political ideals and, and, and thought processes. So it needs to be a permanent deal, if anything. Um, although I would be really disappointed to see him leave. I don't think he's actually reached his potential that he can at Celtic. No, it kind of goes back to the, the point I made earlier about the human element of it. You know, he's a young man and, you know, to, to JP's point, he's gone through obviously a, a horrific time, you know, and it's probably difficult for him. And if he wants to go, then he should be allowed to go and we should maximise the, the profit on it. I don't think anyone should be held to, to hostage. And I think that um, it, it'd be a shame for him to go because I do think there's loads there. Um, but interestingly, with Abada, he's quite an interesting case today, how we get recruitment wrong in a way. So when we signed him and he came in, where he excelled under Ange was the fact that he'd, say, Jota on one side being the traditional winger, drawn people out, he was moving and then a bad account at the back post is almost a second striker. So it, it kind of worked because he's not really a winger and he's not really a striker. So that was excellent for him. And that's where most of his goals came, coming in just off the wing into the box. We've not played like that under Brendan. And the reason I mentioned the transfers is because I don't think when Brendan came in, he said, like, these are the guys I need. I need a guy, I need a winger who's pacey and can do a trick and cross well. I need a defender who's left sided, really good in the air very aggressive. I need a midfielder who's got the legs to carry back. I think it was get a bunch of players and see if any work. And that's where we always go wrong. I always say, you mentioned value. I I don't think the the um, the amount of money we spend is a problem. It's how we spend the money is the problem. Yeah. Because we don't target specific, you know, like if you go, right, Brendan Rodgers is now playing 4-3-3, right, perfect. What players do we need for that to, to, to maximise that? and get them to fit that, not just send a bunch of players that might be cheap and hope they do well, which is what we tend to do. Um, I've compared to a transfer policy to um, Ryan Christie shooting, and they like 40 shots and want to go in the net, it's a schema. That's their transfer policy. We just send a bunch of players, sell one for 20 million, and then the transfer policy works. You're slagging Ryan Christie. He's He's got a, new, a brand new contract at Bournemouth and he's playing week in, week out in the Premier League. <laughs> don't get me wrong, I'd have him back, but he shouldn't was erratic. I'm not going to great player erratic shooting. The point being, um, I think that we, we need to focus. And when you mentioned about one or two players coming in, I also think it'll just be one or two. My concern is we're targeting a winger when we really need a striker and a left back. So if we're getting two in, one's a winger, then you're shot up front or you're shot at left back again. And that's therein lies the, 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 the problem. Um, I'm surprised. I'm surprised we're chasing a winger. I've got to say, I, I tweeted about it last night. You know, I started looking at the amount of wingers we've already got, and I get that three of them are away on international duty uh, for a spell. But you know, Tilio and, and Yang aren't what I would describe as you know first team starters anyway. Yang's had a, a few decent moments in games. Tilio, I don't know. 
at this stage if it's going to work out for that for that player, which is unfortunate because again, you know, big transfer out of Australia. Um, we were getting really good reports from Jared at Celtic down under on the on the the ability of Marco Tilio. Sometimes it doesn't happen. There's so many different reasons for it, but um, we do have Maeda uh, and Palma, obviously Abada, who we're discussing, Nicky Johnston, Jamesy Forrest, and the two who are away on international duty, JP. So I was surprised that the first player that we seemed to have a genuine interest in was a winger. And we keep going on about squad management. I agree with Brian. You've got priorities and a winger, for me, isn't one of them. Although Brendan might be focusing on it because he sees that as being one of the main issues in um, the drop-off, really, this season. The the form of Kyogo, of course. He's not getting the same kind of deliveries that he had before. Um, if, if we sign a winger and he's, he's the first signing, um, do you think it's a priority, JP? Or are you thinking, well, Rokovat is out the door. He's a winger. Uh, we might move Tilio back to Australia. There's there's chat about him going back on loan. And maybe Mikey Johnson, let's say, will move on. And then there's room for a winger to come in. What's your take on it? Yeah, I think I, I would expect just from that one transfer rumour alone, which is substantiated because it's from a reliable source in Steve McGowan. I'm not saying everything he says is going to happen, but more often than not, he does nail it. So by knowing that we're in the market for what would seem a first-team ready winger, that pushes everybody else down the pecking order. So come 1st of February, I would not be surprised to see two or three of the people that you've mentioned elsewhere, either on loan or, or permanent, because it just... <laughs> you go back to, I've got about a million wingers. <laughs> that comment. I know. You don't want him saying that on the 1st of February. Do you know what I mean? You, 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 you definitely don't. Because Terminado oh, follows that. So, um, but I, I, And also, I don't think that, the, that a lot of those players have contributed, look like they're going to contribute. So if there's a way of uh, making things better for both the player and us in terms of what we've got to choose from I tell you, Mikey. I mean, Mikey. He said he said about Mikey Johnson. I could have sent Mikey out on loan in the summer, mm. but I wanted to work with him and I knew what he could do. He's had a half of a, half of a season and he's scored two goals. Now I'm not being disrespectful to him because I stuck up for him after he scored those two goals and sort of said, "Look, I'm happy for the guy." I'm not saying he's the answer, but but that is the that is the end product of his first half of the season is two goals, no assists. Um, I'm, I'm sure if uh, Alan Morrison dug deep on the on his data, he could present probably quite a damning, you know, mm. score, scorecard or report card for this midway point in the season. So he's not really given it Ben Rogers any reason to to be like, oh, well, I'm glad I didn't send you out on loan. He probably could have gone out on loan, and it wouldn't have made any difference to to Celtic really. I mean, those two goals at Dundee were, I, I still argue, they were important, even though people just seemed to be like, oh, it was only against Dundee and we were winning anyway, but Dundee could have found an equaliser and then we would, would have been, you know, bemoaning the fact that we didn't win that game, especially ahead of, 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 of the Saturday. I think to get that win so big and confident and we could have won way more than 3-0 in that game uh, ahead of the Rangers game was, was huge. Um, it was the making of... Bernardo, does Bernardo hit that shot in the Rangers game if he hasn't scored at Dens Park? Does he have the confidence to do it? Who knows? It's I don't know. It's another it's another universe as ever. But um, yeah, uh, just back to back to the winger situation. I think yeah, by by first of February there will be, I think there'll be, based on that report, I, I think. And if he does come in, there'll be movement in that area. I'd say. Yeah, it's like. Um... There's a chain of events then that, that transpires, isn't there? There's players coming and going. Um, and Joe Hamilton, I'm, I'm keen to get your thoughts on this because I've ran with a tagline based on some of the comments I've been getting all week and, and even at the tail end of last week in relation to where's the buys. And there really is, and I, I keep speaking about this, there's, there's a bit of an intensity that uh, I think social media has got a lot to answer for in this respect where it's, um, you know, if, for example, Celtic were to have wished Stefan Skipovic a happy birthday yesterday, can you imagine, JP, the replies, the replies to that, right? Um, because I, I don't think many of them would have been uh, saying, oh, yeah, he was a great striker. It would have all been about let's buy, buy, buy. Joe Hamilton, 
I refuse to set myself up to be disappointed. We know who's in charge and it's not Brendan. Well, a couple of things for this. Um, similar comment yesterday, JP, reminded me of a song by the audience called uh, A Pessimist Is Never Disappointed. Can you remember it? From 1998? Sophie Alex Baxter, before she went to I remember mm. the band, the audience, and I remember the uh, other hit. If, the, if that was a hit, I remember the other hit. I can't remember. I couldn't tell you what it was, but I don't. That particular song, no, I do not remember. It. You don't remember it because she went on to have a massive hit. What mm. was it? Now? Something about a dance floor. What was it? Mm. Murder on the dance floor. Come Murder. on. <laughs> Murder on the dance floor. Right, okay. No, seriously, I couldn't think of that there, JP. Uh, but I, that is something that a lot of Celtic fans are saying, well, you know, it's the same old, same old. Is it pessimism or realism? Uh, we shall see soon enough. Kevin Mullen, uh, afternoon Axom, and an afternoon to you as well, Kevin. Despite us having loads of wingers, we do need more because some wingers we have are just no good enough. Bring another left-back in and a striker, league be coming home again. And I think everybody really... Uh, realises that we do need a left-back and a striker. Brian, I'm going to ask you, right, not just because of the bloated nature of the squad, but when you look at the uh, the wage bill, right, I mean, the players I've mentioned, there's something like 150 grand a week being hemorrhaged by players who are not kicking the ball for Celtic. Um, are we waiting to, to move guys on? Now, I don't mean because we can't afford to bring somebody in. We know the financial status of the club. But are we just saying, well, we can't really manage a squad. If we bring in another left-back at the moment, it means we've got three. You know, if we bring in another striker... So are we waiting to move on Burnaby, for example, before we bring a left-back in? Is that in our thinking, do you think? I thought I would expect so. And whether that's right or wrong, obviously, is up for debate. But I expect that's probably the thing because... I mean, maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's not just positionally. So I think it's probably just the number of players. As I said at the start, I think the size of the squad, like one will you need to get rid of some players before you get some in. I don't specifically, you've got three left backs now because then you can just not play better until he goes. Um, my concern with the, the left back thing is you think, if you're like, say, like a young guy like Michael Frame, and you think, oh, where did I get my shot? You know, we're crying out for these positions. We're, we've got all this bloated squad. We're starting to sign more players in. If you're guys like Michael Frame or some of the younger guys, you think, surely we can get a wee chance here and try and save them a couple of quid to the end of the season. There's got to be that sort of thinking as well. And you may find, and maybe this is me being really optimistic, but you may find Brendan saying, well, look, we don't need maybe quite as many gaps filled because we've no got Europe. We've got enough here. Let's give some of the younger guys a try and see how we got on. Um, but certainly the, the issue with the wingers, I totally understand why he's looking for a winger because I do agree with JP. Um, Yang, I, I, it looks lost to me. It, like he, he looks like a world beater. It looks like he's never seen a football in his life. It's 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 so inconsistent, and it's it reminds me a bit like um, actually maybe a wee bit like Mikey Johnson, and that there's a there's an ability there, but it's never going to get you that far. Um, Gary McKay, Stephen, he's an all famous one that had loads and loads of ability, but just never made the right decisions. Just couldn't quite get it. So I think Yang probably go to Leo. I think apparently he's going to be off. Um, Palmer Palmer's been good but I still don't really think he's a winger if I'm honest I still think he's a 10 um, and he's he can he's one of those guys like and Al Morrison would be good for this but he always looks like he's having a good game he always looks like he's really contributing but then you always see players screaming at him and Rogers having a go at him for not tracking back and being lazy and, so you think there's still a gap there I think for someone to really come in and although Maeda is excellent on the ball off the ball you don't really know what you're getting. So I can understand why we're looking at wingers, but just, I said, echo my other point, I'm concerned that left-back looks like a, a worry. I think anything we've been weak, it seems to be left-back getting targeted. And I don't, it's not having a total goal Greg Taylor, cause I think he was really good last season, but he's not really been great this year. Um, and I do think, oh, I think, it's all going to be the world beater, we hoped. When's it going to happen? That's what you start thinking now, eh? When is this uh, going to click? When is it? And it's just for me, I think, do you know what? It should have clicked by now, probably. I'm not saying completely write him off, but we certainly, if Kyogo gets injured, we can't line O to be, to be banging him in, I don't think. And unfortunately, no matter how you feel about the player, if you're at Celtic and you can't be relied on to, to score the goals of a striker, you need to get another striker in. So it's going to be interesting what happens, especially with players going out. Um, 
if we talk about, say, Abada, maybe Turnbull, things like that, does it mean then we keep Burnaby and his option to buy? What is that? I mean, if it's six million, then no. If it's one and a half million, then probably. So, so many questions to answer. There seems to be so much going on behind the scenes we're not privy to that, I mean, his patience isn't a virtue any of us really have regarding football and Celtic, but I think we kind of got to sit on our hands a wee bit and just hope it works itself out because there's really no much else we can do. Patience is, I think, even less of a commodity than it used to be uh, now that we've got social media because it's that absolute thirst constantly for information and updates. And, and I don't know how uh, many times the average person checks their phone. I'm, I really don't know, but it would probably scare you. Uh, I remember, didn't, uh, what's his name? Uh, Fabrizio Romano, JP, didn't he actually show one day that he had been on his phone for 17 hours? in the last 24 hours, and he actually screenshotted it, you know, your phone usage. Unbelievable. I, I try to get mine down every week, you know, it gives you your weekly screen yeah. time. I try to make aye. sure mine's is down, down every week, because it's not it's not healthy at all. But, but I don't have any social media at all for that. Like, I remember when I was at uni and I had it, I was so distracted all the time. I had mm. to just run it. Like, I, it was, it's really weak character flaw that I couldn't just put it down, but I had to just get rid of it. But A, because some of the stuff's some of the discussion is outrageous on it, but also, like, I, it's just force of habit. You just start to scroll and refresh, especially during transfer windows. But a lot of sore thumbs, people just scroll on Twitter all the time, or X or whatever it's called. I know, I know. And then in a few years' time, it'll actually change the way that your, your thumbs are built, Brian, like the old <laughs> gamers in the 1990s. Uh, I'm just to scroll. I know. Plenty more comments to get through. I'll keep coming, uh, bringing them up. What's your thoughts? Are you getting restless, or are you a wee bit like today's Axon panel and quite relaxed at the moment. Uh, I say at the moment, it might be different in a week's time, who knows? But we did mention the audience, JP, and I make absolutely uh, no apology for mentioning a couple of musical uh, interludes here. The first one being the Liam Gallagher and John Squire single, which is fully launched, videos being launched. I've got to say, though, it's just like if you could have given me um, an option to bring any of the two kind of 90s icons together, it would have been Squire and Gallagher. And I'm not disappointed with it. Not even the rainbow bit in the middle. I think it's absolutely brilliant. What do you reckon? Ah, I'm into it, yeah. Um, it, it, it does sound exactly like what you would expect a Liam Gallagher and John Squire song to sound like. And I was speaking to my pal yesterday. He said that John Squire wrote and recorded everything. Like, he's, he's responsible for everything. Liam's just come in and went to the mic and sang what John Squire's come up with. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Hopefully they take it on the road and, and do a gig or two. Um, I think there was some mention of an LA gig on the Zane Lowe interview. Right. Um, so that, well, I'm not going to go to LA to see them, but if they were to play Glasgow or somewhere nearby, I would, I would try and go. The thing is, JP, you might be in the area when it's, when it's happening. You do get about, um, talking of which, you've been in the game now for... 10 years, you were telling me before we started the, the Axon Bulletin today. So 10 years, you've been putting on gigs, repping bands, well, no, um, tra- travelling the world. 10 years working for the, the promoter that I work for right now. Um, I, I guess full-time I've been 13 years, but um, yeah, but 10 years uh, with, with DF. So pretty mad to think those 10 years have just completely flown by. And I was looking back at some of the, some of the pictures from festivals I've done and uh, gigs I've worked and people I've met and you know people that I've worked with as well as you know musicians and artists that I've met and it's just insane it's absolutely insane and all the while going to see Celtic week in week out every, uh, I, I basically plan my life around gigs and, and Celtic so uh, although I did make it to a football match last weekend that was not Celtic I went to uh, Stenhouse Muir against Forfa I know that sounds completely insane, but I did go. The <laughs> I, Warriors. I'd never been. I'd never been to Oakville View, so no. I, I, it became the sixty-sixth football ground that I've visited in my life. Fabulous. So I, I keep a I keep a track on them on this this site called my football ground map. So Oakville View was uh, was was one that I hadn't been to, and plastic pitch. You know, it was it was. It was rough and tumble a little bit, but their two centre halves scored and they won two one. And it was like they only had one stand open, but it was absolutely packed. It was they had to move people behind the goal to stand because it was full. So it was kind of kind of good to see on a freezing cold afternoon to know that that wee kind of 
thing is happening that you would never have I've never have known that that was the level of support that they had but it was quite cool um, and uh, yeah I, I plan to maybe go to another one on Saturday coming elsewhere I'll stick another uh, flag on that list um, yeah. the only time I was ever at Oakleview it was uh, a derby Stenishmuir versus Alawa Athletic and I'm going back many many moons so a long time it's probably changed a lot since then Urban Culture, welcome to the show. Long shift over. Hank Williams and John Prine playing away on the journey home. Uh, it's Axon time. I'm ready. Uh, fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. And Gordon Coney, afternoon, guys. I don't think us as fans are getting restless as we have seen this movie many times and know how it plays out. The board penny pinch for quality and end up with mediocrity. Well, I'm going to go back to one of the points you made, JP, right? Because I remember... Um, it was an interview with the aforementioned Peter Lobo when he was the CEO, and they were talking about investment and lack of. And uh, the way the board look at it is, we spent twenty million in the summer. What are you moaning about? You know that is the way. It's very similar, like Champions League. Um, we talk about progress, and I remember James asking Brendan, "What does that look like?" And it's a, it's not an easy question to answer. And I think the the way that Brendan got around it was a win would be nice, you know, but. The, the ambition was to be in Europe after Christmas. We didn't do that. The board will look at um, the income stream in Europe and compare it to last year. And if it's up, that will be progress. Now, th- there's there's partly that, that that's positive because you know that in terms of the business side of things, your club has been run properly. But as a football fan, it can be frustrating as well. Um, I mean, I put out there last night or this morning about um, the supposed interest in the winger. And a lot of people came back and said three million quid because a lot of football fans just judge the, the transfer fee JP and see it as a lack of ambition. We're not moving forward. We were signing three million pounds wingers, you know, five, I mean, six years ago. And that that's kind of like an attitude towards any player that we bring in. Like there's no guarantee we spent ten million on him or seven million. I, I'm not in any way concerned about a transfer fee of three million pounds being attributed to a player that we linked with and immediately going, oh, He's going to be. He's not going to be good enough. Matt Riley, one and a half million. Rio Hatati, uh, whatever. What, what, what was Rio Hatati? He was one point three or something like that. Right. I mean, yeah. and and then even Kyogo was like four million. So you're not exactly breaking the bank to sign these players that have had huge impacts. Your mind always goes back to Carter Vickers and Jota because they were six, mm. and obviously they came in absolute nailed on guarantee of, of quality first team players and all the rest of it but it can't, it, you, can't, you can get it right it's not always about mediocrity like we have obviously signed a lot of mediocre players um, and while Brian mentioned earlier on about having some sympathy with the board about having to get rid of these players they're the guys that brought them here in the first place so I, I, my sympathy extends not that not that far because it does seem it did seem a bit of a scattergun approach in the summer, and like you've said a few times, bringing in nine players on top to 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 complement a treble winning squad doesn't really make sense because why should you need nine players on top of a squad that's won? I know we lost a couple of players, but we didn't lose that many. It should definitely have been about replacing the players that left with a quality replacement. Um, and I think we kind of did that or tried to do that with Navrotsky for Starfelt. Um, the Burnaby signing to, to back up Greg Taylor has been a complete failure. I mean, whoever signed that off may have did it with the best intentions, may have thought that he was highly rated and all the rest of it, but ultimately it's you've got to take responsibility for that and it's not worked out. Um, so I'm not at all snooty about about transfer figures I'm more concerned about the player's mentality whether Brendan Rodgers wants him is the, is, that's the key thing yeah. if Brendan Rodgers has is, is, is had conversations about that specific player and said get him in then that's genuinely good enough for me I don't, I, you know, I'm, I'm not really bothered about anything else everything else is noise after that because he's the manager he should get the players he wants and he should be able to get the positions filled that he wants filled and if that's with a £3 million player or a £5 million player or a £10 million player as long as it's him that's wanting them that's that's, that's what I'm behind You mentioned that last week and that, that comes down by the way there's another play when you were talking about those who he improved 
Um, I think one guy that, that isn't mentioned that often, but I don't know if it's because their relationship soured so badly near the end, was um, I thought Dembele, you know, when he comes into Celtic, yeah, bags of potential. I know there was obviously um, a reason we got him as cheap as we did. But in terms of a player who was really just a reserve team player down south coming into Celtic and going on to do what he's done since uh, as well, I think Rodgers as, as the manager there um, has played a big part in that. Um, and, and often we don't mention it. Edward, he was an academy player, brought him in on loan, and then we shelled out the big money on him. And this leads me on to my, my, my next discussion point. So he's been mentioned already in the show, Paolo Bernardo. We've done it a couple of times recently with, with some real success, bringing in loan players, really analysing whether or not they fit our system, they can adapt to the, the climate and the culture of the Scottish game and then spending big money on them. And those two players, of course, were Carter Vickers and Jota. Carter Vickers, who would be a mainstay when fit in the team, and Jota, who we made massive money on. The next one in that line is Paolo Bernardo, of course. And you mentioned it earlier, Brian. I want to know your thoughts on this, because I think we're pretty sure the, the transfer, the, the loan fee, rather, is one and a half. But there has been a suggestion that his transfer fee would be similar to the CCV Jota-style six million quid. If he has a decent second half to the season, um, and I think in the last four games he's shown that he's got the attributes, but it's all about maintaining that form at a club like Celtic. It's not good enough to do a trick. Like, Palmer's come into this club. He thinks maybe if he gets a goal, that's fine. That's his performance. That That's not good enough for Celtic. Lee Griffiths spoke about this. With all his previous clubs, if he scored a goal, job done, he can go out and enjoy the night and all the rest of it. But with Celtic, it was never good enough. You know, you've got to do all that other stuff as well, and that in involves the defensive element, etc. So Bernardo, he would need to have a right good second half to the season before we made it permanent. If it was six million quid, Brian, are we looking at that and thinking, right, that's going to be a good investment? Based based on so far, no. I think I think six million from is probably a bit much. Um, but again, it depends how the second half of the season goes. So probably towards the end of the season, a better place to answer. Uh, but so far, I, I don't think. And <clears throat> just on JP's point, the reason I, I may have some sympathy for the board is because it's the recruitment team that are going to be with the prize because no one's criticising them. Before they've allocated money, the recruitment team's made a nearly swore a mess of it, and then the players are getting it. But the recruitment, everybody forgets, like in Paul touched on it. And don't get me wrong, they do deserve criticism for not having a structure in place, which I've been ranting and raving about for about the past three years. But the recruitment team's been awful. And like, who's who's authorising these guys to sign these players? It goes back to my earlier point about are they fitting the team? Are they fitting the style? And like with Bernardo, to your, to your question, he's done quite well. He was good against uh, Rangers. But I, I don't know what type of player he is. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I don't know what he's offering for six mil at this stage and how well he fits into Brendan's system and was he designed for that when he signed him and these are the questions that I think are are, are more valid and this is why um, to, to your point JP like when you get if you get a couple of players in it's going to be good regardless of the fee they just need to be the right players and ultimately if Rogers is saying this is my guy I want him he has to take accountability but what he can't do then is start blaming or the players aren't good enough or they need more quality. He can't be saying that for the rest of the season. This is a chance. And I think my concern would be if we get to the 1st of February and we've not really signed anybody of note, then he's... Whoops, does that leave him in? Because he's told the squad they're not good enough, largely. And he's made it clear he wants signings. If he doesn't get them, where does that leave him? And I think that's that's where it's... Did you need these, did you need these comments about... The, the Hearts game where he was saying about how I'd, I'd, it was just on some I don't know clickbait thing on Facebook or something it was like a suggested page but I had a quote from him where he was sort of saying I, I really love working with these players they're all, they're all a, a real honest bunch there's no idiots in there As he said that which was uh, funny because then a couple of days later Roy Keane said something about yeah, when he was at Celtic, there was a couple of idiots. <laughs> it was quite funny that both both of them had mentioned the word idiot. But um, he, he he talked about the Hearts game and he said, I, I saw a, 
a, a, maybe a, a, a lethargy about the players and maybe a fallout from the from the Champions League game. Uh, and I had to reiterate to a lot of them that the standards at Celtic are you can't have a day where you're you're not at it, you're not you know foot on the foot on the floor and and going for it. And I mean, there's there's I've heard some people say. I don't know if it was an E-Tim's podcast, but one of them was saying that it was the worst that they'd ever seen Celtic play at Celtic Park in that in that game. And the, the, a lot of them are older than all of us. And to, to, use, a, <laughs> to use a term like that, I mean, I, I do remember thinking this is terrible today. Um, it really it really was bad. It was, we, didn't, we didn't seem to be offering anything. Like, as soon as Hart scored... The second goal, I didn't see us getting. I thought an equaliser would have been a miracle that day. Never mind a winner. And yeah. you, you, you've gone behind at Celtic Park before, and and without the without the the Green Brigade and the and the boys, the the ultras there, we just felt really limp. It just it just didn't feel like we had it in us to to do that. So, um, I for, I forget why I actually mentioned that with regards to what you were saying, Brian. What what were you? I was just saying that Roger's sort of like talking about the players and, and you know, he's been quite down in all of the players. Yeah, oh yeah, that was it. Yeah, because he, he has, he obviously has been down in them, but at the same time, he'll, he'll say, I, I really love working with these players and um, people were genuinely, everybody was a bit worried after the Hearts game thinking, is this, is this, uh, you know, is this heading for an iceberg here? Because we've lost two games in a row for the first time in 10 years. But he managed to pull out the elusive three wins in a row, which is now four wins in a row. Um, so I think there's there's definitely proof in that the players will, are responding to him. Um, so I don't think because again there was that feeling that when when a manager criticises the team, it's kind of like you feel like they've, thrown, they've been thrown under the bus and has the trust gone and all the rest of it. So he's obviously still got the, their their uh, their trust. But, um, yeah, that was my point. The, the thing that I would say about that, JP, right, and, and I keep going on about mentality, and Brian Brian touched on it there, you've got to be on it every single game. And then you get these guys who, let's say domestically, they impress you whenever you, you play them, and you think they're probably in the top four or five players in Scottish football outside your own club. And we bring them in, and they don't, they, they just can't make that step up. To, to be a Celtic player and it's not about ability as such that's why I've always gone about mentality where you don't have a bad day at the office every single game has to be won your mentality has to be spot on at all times and that Hearts game I think a massive part of that was the reason I started going on about it but when I'm looking at the lineup, the starting lineup anyway Joe Hart and goals Alistair Johnson at right back Greg Taylor at left back Carter Vickerson skills in the middle O'Reilly McGregor Turnbull Johnson Kyogo and Palmer and I look at that side and think, well, every single one of them bar Palmer knows what it's like to be a winner at Celtic. They've all won trophies at Celtic. They've all had success. So that worried me a bit because I'm, I'm thinking, right, you bring in all these new guys. There's an issue with regards to the mentality within the camp because a third of your squad <coughs> have never played at that level or for a club with this level of expectation and these standards. But then I look at the start in 11 and I think, wow, it's only really Palmer that's in there that's never been a winner at Celtic. And I think that worried me um, in, a, in a big way because then you're thinking, like you say, you're about to hit an iceberg because for some reason that we won't be uh, privy to, this isn't working. And I think there had to be a, a response. There had to be a comeback. Four wins on the bounce is exactly that. Um, but that is always going to be niggling in the back of my mind that we're capable of putting in that level of performance unless we improve the, the team, the starting 11. And that's why the restlessness might be creeping in. Scott McGill, you're in. You're watching on YouTube. Great to see you. The loan-to-buy option seems a better way. Try before you buy. I don't have an issue with this, Brian, if we're going to shell out big money, right? So we were talking earlier about spending £3 million on a new winger. Brilliant. I mean, it might be brilliant value for money. He's obviously shown an incredible amount of potential when you look at the clubs who have you know, bought him in the past, right? And he's maybe just not fulfilled that potential yet. He's shown at Rapid Vienna that he can do it um, for a first team and Celtic might be the next step in his development. So I can see why we would do it. No chance I'm calling him a project player at this stage of his career. But if you do get an opportunity to bring somebody in and it's going to cost you the box that 
Eduard or Jota or Cat Vickers, I have no issue with us going through this transfer window and bringing them in on loan, as long as there is not an obligation to buy, but an option to buy at the end of the loan deal. I think I don't have an issue with that whatsoever. I don't see that as short termism either. No, it's a bit. It makes sense. That's how you know. In many ways, I, I, I've said before, their recruitment. We should probably be going right. Get a couple of guys in that we think have got real potential. We'll see how they get on and get on to buy that are maybe a bit more experienced that we can have a look at. They're going to cost us a bit, and it works really well with Jordan Carter Vickers, Bernardo. We need to wait and see. Um, and there's got to be like, I, I don't understand. So, and I, when I say I don't understand, I generally don't understand, but. Is that harder for clubs to... Is that more palatable or less palatable for clubs? So if you go to a club and say, we want that player, that we want to loan him, and then we decide we're going to buy him, is that a harder sell than just giving the money? Because I wonder... Because it makes loads of sense to me to do that, they want to buy. It makes tons of sense, especially for a club like us. But I wonder if the reason we don't is it's hard. It's, clubs don't want to negotiate that. I'm just interested because I know we've had a few guys that were kind of loans with options to buy that we've sent out. So I, I wonder why we don't do it. Um, but again, it's just one of the many questions about how we recruit and, and how we go about business that, that seem to be very bizarre, very sort of unusual. Um, and I, I'd love to know. And that's why I think, you know, the recruitment team, headed by Mark Law, by all accounts, I'd love to know how they do it, what their KPIs are for a player, what they look for, what they're told to look for, what Will Brendan has. There's so much about it we don't know, and I think that leads us to this sort of it's Brendan's fault, it's the board's fault, it's the recruitment's fault, it's the players' fault. We can have because we don't know exactly. It might be all their faults, might not be any of them, but it's um, it's it's always interesting because when you see a player, you go, is it Brendan's player or is it Peter Lowell's player? That's always the narrative. And to JP's point, I, I, I think the latter's a bit silly, but it'd be interesting to see this guy Kuhn coming in if he will be. You know the type of player that walks straight because Brendan signed him. You assume he's going to start. He's going to play most weeks. So does that mean a badder drops out, Yang drops out, Palmer drops out? So it's going to be interesting to see where that figures out and and how that vanishes. But just the last thing I say, like I think I do think Brendan Rodgers has got away with the prize a wee bit. I don't think he's got quite the criticism that maybe he should have. And you mentioned like some of the, the Hearts game and and Kamalot game and stuff like that, like. The players might know the squad might be not be as strong as last season, but almost every one of those players walks into any team in Scotland mm. comfortably. And if he's a, the highest paid manager in their history and he's this elite level manager, he should still be able to get a, a better tune than we've seen this season. Because although Greek Rangers, the Celtics were top of the league, I understand that. And I don't want to seem entitled and huffy that we're only two points ahead. But the fact is the performances still haven't been brilliant other than two or three times. I've not went, oh, what a game that was. We were excellent. There's not been many times that's happened this season. And I just think Rodgers really has to, you know, if it's about the players, gets the players in, performances have to start flying as well. Especially, as especially, now, with, especially now with Europe out of the way. There's no excuse anymore. Well, you break it down uh, to the, the two derbies because, you know, we, like you say, Brian, we do have better players than any other team in the league. And then it comes down to the two derbies and we've managed to win both of them. Um, and that that really has been the difference at this halfway stage for me. Um, everything else has been up and down. There's been some really poor performances along the way and some really decent ones where you're coming away from a game after beating Aberdeen 6-0 thinking that was brilliant. You know, free-flowing football, scoring at will um, against, on the day, a pretty poor side to be fair. But I think it has, at the halfway point, it's come down to the fact that um, Brendan Rodgers and he, he said that you know he's he's came up against five Rangers managers and he's always won the league. Um, he is able to to win that fixture and that's the reason we've got a noses in front at this stage. But um, at the end of that this camp uh, second half of the campaign we might not be as lucky and and a lot of it could come down. I'm not saying we were lucky to win the two games. A lot of it can come down to that quality that that comes into both sets of squads in January. Have we improved enough? And and again, JP, we've been talking about this over the last week. The moment that we're in it, uh, at this present time as a football club is it is different because the Champions League is changing next season and the income stream is going to change. It's going to become a bigger income stream than it was before. It already is 
one of the biggest that we have in terms of bringing money in. Um, and the swing, the pendulum can swing massively if we don't win the league. It's huge on that basis. So as a football fan, you just want to win, etc. But if you take a look, a, a wee look ahead to what the consequences of not winning this league would be, well, what would it mean? It means Rangers win the league, right? So they have access to the, the riches, and that's a game changer for them, an absolute game changer. This is a club since 2012 who have lost on average £10 million plus every single year, over £100 million quid down the Swanee. And the way that it can become a self-sufficient organisation, making money and actually becoming a force in that respect, rather than just borrowing and borrowing and borrowing and changing shares into confetti, is by winning this league this season. And Celtic as a football club, yeah, we have to focus on what we're doing. But in terms of the environment in which we operate, JP, it would be huge if we don't win this league. And I hope the board have got that at the forefront of their minds this January. I think they will. I think they will. But if, if they were, if they were to win the league, there'd be a lot of people coming out the woodwork with their open hands looking for their money back, wouldn't they? Because, uh, how, like you've just said, how have they got to this point? And how did they win 55? It was with chucking money at it, wasn't it? I mean, chucking money that they didn't have. Um, so that that's that's out there. That's common knowledge. It's not as if I'm making this up. Everybody knows that. Um, but uh, to go back to Bernardo and the, the, the people that are sort of turning their nose up at a £3 million player from Rapid Vienna, if the fee for Bernardo was £3 million, would those same people be like, oh no, we can't spend, it's only £3 million on Bernardo? Because it, it, it works the it, same way, doesn't it? It does. It does work the same way. And by the way, I, I looked up uh, uh, Nicholas couldn't to see what age he was there. Uh, and somebody's already edited Wikipedia to say that he's a Celtic player. So his current team Celtic on Wikipedia. <laughs> so ne- never trust Wikipedia. And his his name's actually Nick- Nicholas Gerrit Kuhn. Yeah, yeah. As in the storm that stopped me from going to Ireland a couple of weeks ago. Um, and and also just on the Wikipedia thing, um, and reminded me as I was doing that about how you can edit Wikipedia. Seeing the, I may have told this before, but seeing the lead up to uh, Landry and Guemo signing for Celtic, that's a name from the past. <laughs> Isn't it? Uh, my, my, mate, my mate Paul McGrain edited his Wikipedia uh, in his personal life section to say that he was uh, <laughs> still there. It's amazing that it's still there. And Guemo is a keen falconer and keeps a modest collection of birds of prey. His favourite, a white tailed eagle named Mr. George after George Ware. It's complete nonsense. Complete I, I, nonsense. Took that as go- I took that as gospel. I've used that as I've used that in the past, JP. No, you've no. Have you? <laughs> no. All right, no, but a Celtic fanzine interviewed them and asked them about it. No danger. We just went and, and they went, all right, we're move, moving on. <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, well, it would have been better if it was Celtic TV that asked the question, JP. I know, I know. I asked Paul from, from uh, Whitburn. Uh, a staunch uh, loyalist area of Whitburn. Um, Paul, Paul was a, a Celtic fan from Whitburn, so there's not many of them. Apparently how random, how random is that? Falconry. I mean, how how random Sorry. is that? What's that, Brian? Yeah. So you hope the edits, uh, if someone's got a Wikipedia, because that could be an academic details. I've never, checked. I've never actually checked um, if, if we do. That's a good point, that, uh, Brian. But yeah, we're not into falconry uh, or anything as random. JP, I love that kind of crap. <laughs> James Floyd Bernardo is a keep for me troops. James, I'm liking the look of him, but it all obviously comes down to the second half of this season. Double denim, welcome back. At this point, I'm not sure we've seen enough from Bernardo to justify the fee, six million quid. But if he maintains his form, then I'd see it as worth it. It's just one of the ones, it, it absolutely brings down the risk factor because we've seen him at that stage for an entire season uh, playing Champions League football, playing against Rangers um, in adversity at times during the season. So you can make a much better judgment on him at the end of the campaign. Jerry N, Bernardo replacement for O'Reilly, who will be off in the summer. £6 million is decent. I thought we banned uh, talk on O'Reilly leaving this football club, Jerry. Uh, that's your first strike, and I'll let you mention that because we don't want it to happen, of course. The underwater cabbage salesman, um, loan to buy is the way forward for Celtic. I think certainly anything like 
what, what kind of figure are we talking? I, I would say six million and above could well be it could well be the, the, the way forward. And one player who is in that bracket now, apparently, uh, who we have been interested in in the past is uh, Matthias Fitzgarden. And, and he's a guy that we were interested in in the summer. Brian, he's a striker. At that time, we were talking £4 million. They now want seven and a half. It's going to scare us off, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely will. And again, it comes back to that idea of, you know, if he's a striker in demand, say, how likely are we to get a loan to buy for a guy like that? It's probably unlikely because somebody else will want to pay the money. And then it comes down to that, are we willing to risk seven and eight million on one player? I don't know, given um, some of the, the the way we went about our business, we will. And actually, I'm not 100% sure we should. I think just given the amount of things that can go south, I'm not 100% sure we're in a position to be spending eight million per player, maybe one a season. But we don't want to get to that price thing because I don't think it's sustainable over the piece. Well, the, the, I mean, when we, we shelled at nine million for Edward, JP, as a Celtic fan, I was looking at it going, well, yeah, let's do it. Because I, I, I remember that weekend, I, I was doing a Celtic event and the player who was who was the guest, we spoke about Edward and he said, Paul, always ask your, yourself the question, could you sell him tomorrow for the same fee? And if the answer is yeah, buy him. And I thought it was so simplistic, but it was so true, wasn't it? It was worth nine million quid. Yeah, we made a profit off him because of his age profile and what he went on to do, etc. But there's certain players you've had at the club that you would be prepared. The flip side of that, by the way, is when we had Benkovic in on loan and there was an option to buy and it was nine million quid. And apparently Celtic were interested until obviously he proved that he couldn't keep keep himself fit for any length of time. So, you know, we would have had a player in, in Benkovic had we signed him for nine million who has gone on to play fewer than 30 games since he left Celtic. So it would have been an absolute waste of money. So it's a difficult one. I think... They've probably priced themselves out the market, Bronby, when it comes to to that 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 particular player, JP. Because I can't see us going for a seven and a half million pound striker. I, I don't know why not though, because like <laughs> Ivan Tony, do you know no, what I mean? I know. Uh, like that that you spend a bit of money, you get you usually get a, a reward. And if there's other clubs, big clubs in Europe, looking at uh, Kvitsgarden, if that's how you pronounce it. Um, then and we're in the mix I would hate to lose out there would be nothing worse than in three, two, three years time seeing that guy going for 40, 50 million you're like oh mind we were linked with him but I, I, I just think if, it, if, if the scouting's right if he's been recruited properly and they, they know the guy's mentality Brendan Rodgers wants him if all those boxes are ticked and a player wants to come and that's the fee I don't know what age he is. I can't. He's obviously what 21, 22? Yeah, twenty one, twenty two. Yeah, twenty two. Yeah, yeah. So I, 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 for seven and a half million is still we paid seven million for Julian. Do you know what I mean? True. It's yeah, yeah. So much he trust the recruitment because I, I agree with you. I mean, you guys, you look at in the past like guys like Tony McGinn, you know, all, the, all these boys that you think they are clearly Castagna, Zilla one that obviously Rogers took to Leicester. So it depends how much faith you've got in it. If you feel it, if Brendan or Celtic Field have been scouted properly, then the risk is valid. Because you think there's loads of clubs in from your point, JP. There's loads of clubs in from he's been scouted really well. I think I would just be concerned at this recruitment team spending that kind of money on one player because I just don't trust that they've they've done the due diligence. I'd hope mm. to be wrong. And again, I agree with your point. I think if you know, you don't want to miss out someone who could be a, a sensation, but it's just, is there the faith here that they're going to get it right? I would be less sure, but I, I, I do agree with you. I think there's no reason we shouldn't if the confidence is there. But that's yeah. meanwhile, meanwhile, a 27-year-old Musa Dembele is playing in Saudi Arabia to crowds of less than a 1,000 and his manager, Stephen Gerrard. Like, <laughs> what sort of horrible... World is that that we're living in? <laughs> a waste of ta- a waste of talent. I mean, outrageous. Not suggesting we should go and sign Mr. Dembele. I mean, obviously it would be amazing if he came back and and, and did the business. But the fact that that's where he is, you know, you always like to see Celtic players 
harking back to Larson, you always like to see them going on to to do well. Um, and I, and nobody was happier than me that that Larson did the business for Barcelona and then latterly Manchester United as well. Um, but to see Moussa Dembele there, you know, he went to Lyon. You're like, like, okay, fair enough, French, big French club, and then goes on loan to Atletico Madrid, big Spanish club, and then goes there. I'm him. going to Man United. I remember we were all talking about the the sell on um, percent Celtic were going to get. And yeah. It was going to be five million because it was ten percent of his value. Mm. Like, so, like you say, JP, you see him where he is now. Is they've chased the money? I mean, there's going to be a lot of players, and the thing with that is it, it can derail your career. People think, oh, you can dip your toe in for two or three seasons, make all the dough, and come back. It can derail your career. Jot is a classic example. There was a player on the up and up. Upward trajectory. Celtic are never going to say no to the transfer fee, but he's kind of been in limbo, you know, JP since since he left Celtic. So, yeah, I'm sure the money's great, um, and, and they can contemplate it while they're on their uh, private yacht. However, uh, in terms of your career, it can derail them because the momentum goes. It's been a fascinating discussion uh, this afternoon. I'm sure there'll be more like this until we start announcing players, uh, and hopefully. We do it right. It's it's three rather than the scattergun approach. You're bringing in loads of guys who may not contribute. And I'm sure we'll see a few leaving the building. Hopefully none unexpected. Uh, that would be a blow as well. And then we can move on to the second half of the campaign. Thank you, everybody, for getting involved. A thousand strong on this Thursday afternoon. Absolutely brilliant support from every single one of you. Uh, keep it up. Remember to subscribe to the channel on YouTube. Give us a thumbs up on the video and hit the notifications bell so that you can be informed when we're going live. Again, we might even do an impromptu emergency podcast that we bring in somebody big. Uh, that would be good fun. I'll do it myself. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. And thank you to Brian Degnan and JP Mason for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Sure, Paul. Podcast Network.